Scripture reading for this morning is from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, we are at the end of what has been three cycles between Mark chapter 8, verse 32, around there, through the end here of chapter 10, in which Jesus has been giving a teaching concerning uh, his identity and his mission, who he is and what he came to do, saying it plainly. And then his uh, disciples have responded in some kind of, you know, I, I say knuckleheaded because I'm a knucklehead, we do the same thing. Some kind of knuckleheaded way, right? Just very selfish, self-centered, um, completely missing the point. And then Jesus follows that up with a teaching on what it means to follow him, what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Three cycles of that that have happened in this crucial section here as we are about to transition. If you've read ahead, you know Mark chapter 11 is the triumphal entry and the rest of Mark is uh, the last week of Jesus' life. So we've come to the end of this you know, primary stage in Jesus' ministry up to that final week with these cycles of three teachings in which Jesus is trying to drive home. This is who I am. This is what I came to do. And clearly, we can see that the disciples have not been getting it. They're not completely blind like the religious leaders that are about to, you know, have Jesus arrested and have him crucified. But there's this ongoing spiritual blindness that characterizes the followers of Jesus Christ. And so it's no accident that at the beginning of this section, and here at the end of the section, just prior to that first cycle in which Jesus says, this is who I am and what I came to do, there was a healing of a blind man. In fact, there was a two-stage healing of a blind man there. If you remember back in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, there was a healing of a man in two stages by Jesus. And in a way, it prefigured the ongoing spiritual blindness that we would see in the disciples in this section, in these three cycles. They, they saw to a certain degree, but they didn't see. There was this ongoing spiritual blindness that characterized them. And, and now we come to the end of the section and a healing of a blind man once again. A man named Bartimaeus. Jesus and his disciples and a huge crowd are making their way out of Jericho. 
uh, there was a great pilgrimage toward Jerusalem. It was the time of the Passover. And so not only did Jesus already have an entourage, people that were following him because of who he was, there was also just kind of a, a flow of people starting to make their way toward Jerusalem. And this is the last stop, Jericho. They're on their way out of Jericho. Next stop, Jerusalem. All that was left was a 3,500-foot ascent to Jerusalem, and then they were there. And it was normal for there to be beggars along the side of the road. I mean, people at this point just kind of looked right past them. Until one began to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He was blind, but he could hear. And he had heard the buzz coming out of Jericho. Perhaps he had heard long before about this healer, about this rabbi, about this great teacher. And people were starting to talk about maybe he's going to lead an insurrection. He's going to throw the Romans out. We're going to have the kingdom restored to Israel. He had heard that buzz. And maybe as you know, the kind of the leading edge of people were coming out ahead and then here's Jesus coming, maybe he heard that Jesus was about to pass by. Surely he did because... He cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Some people at that time began to rebuke him. In fact, it's the same word that was used to describe what the disciples did when parents were trying to bring their little children to Jesus back in Mark chapter 9. The very same people who were abuking parents for bringing these inconsequential, socially insignificant children to Jesus are now rebuking this socially insignificant man for trying to come to Jesus. But Bartimaeus wouldn't shut up. He wouldn't be silenced. He kept crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. What compelled him to keep crying out? That way? Blind Bartimaeus saw something that the sighted disciples were failing to see. What Jesus came to do. What Jesus came to do. The disciples weren't seeing it. And you know what? We can be just like the disciples. I'm not going to call you a knucklehead, but when I look in the mirror, more often than not, I see a knucklehead. Because I know who Jesus is, and at some level I know what he came to do, but does that reflect the way in which I live? If you were to look at my life day by day, would you say, this is a person who clearly has seen who Jesus is and what he came to do? And that's evidenced by the way he lives his life. Do I see the things that Jesus sees? Do I see the people that Jesus sees? Am I willing to stop because I share in Jesus a mission that He has called me to? Am I following Him on the way? Or am I too busy? And does that reveal some measure of ongoing spiritual blindness? What would Bartimaeus say to us? What would Bartimaeus say to us? This blind man, what would he tell us about the things that we need to be seeing when it comes to Jesus Christ? Mark includes this story about Bartimaeus in part 
so we can learn from a blind man what it means to really see. So let's take a look at Bartimaeus. What would Bartimaeus tell us we need to see? We're going to go there in a second, but first let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before your word this morning, we do ask that you would help us to see from it, not just with our eyes, as anyone could read this text, but Lord, with the eyes of the heart, would you give us the ability to see and believe? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Bartimaeus, what would he tell us we need to see? Bartimaeus would say, you've got to clearly see what your greatest need is. We must see our greatest need. Bartimaeus clearly saw his need, right? He was blind. It's kind of obvious. He saw his need. But Bartimaeus was also completely helpless. He lived in a society where there weren't social structures to take care of him, to help him along, to provide assistance. He had to fend for himself. And so he was on the side of the road begging. He was blind and he was helpless, but he knew that what he needed was mercy. Mercy. Do you clearly see your greatest spiritual need? Because keep in mind, these real miracles that happened bookend a section in which the problem is that people have spiritual blindness when it comes to Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you again, do you realize that your greatest need is mercy? And in your spiritual blindness, are you missing that very fact? Paul, in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, put it this way. It is a, an arresting passage. I hope that you'll hear it and see it. And even if our gospel is veiled, Paul writes, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Do you realize that if spiritually blind, unless God acts to bring sight, you are helpless? Paul just said in 2 Corinthians 4 that the blindness that we experience is a spiritual blindness. It is the result of the God of this world of, who would seek to keep you blind from seeing what? The light of the gospel, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We will not see that unless God moves toward us to act. And so consequently, we are helpless in our spiritual blindness and our greatest need is for mercy. Mercy. You may need mercy more than blind Bartimaeus needed mercy. Bartimaeus lacked physical sight, but he possessed spiritual insight, which matters more in the end. Someone once asked Helen Keller, isn't it terrible to be blind? To which she responded, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. What keeps you from seeing your greatest need? What kept James and John from seeing their greatest need? We looked at this last week, right? Remember James and John? 
Here they are on their way, again, uh, you know, other side of Jericho, not quite there yet. And James and John come up to Jesus and say, we want you to give us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want you to give us positions of the right hand and the left hand in glory. When you take the throne, we want to be in positions of prominence. We want to be in your cabinet. Number one and number two guys. Their hunger for glory kept them from seeing their greatest need. Mercy. What about the rich young ruler? We looked at him a couple weeks ago. You know, here this man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus say? You must keep the commandments. And and he says, all these I've kept since my youth. And Jesus says, this one thing you lack, go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and then come follow me. And that man went away sad. Why? He didn't see that his greatest need was for mercy. His wealth had such a grip on his heart that he could not let it go. He didn't see that what he needed was something that he couldn't do himself. And that was the intervening grace of God to bring sight so he might see what really matters. What is it for you? What is it that you've got your eyes on that are keeping you from seeing your greatest need? Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it wealth? Is it health? We each need to ask the question, what is it that is keeping me, perhaps, from seeing my greatest need? Bartimaeus would say, my dear friend, your greatest need is for mercy. Second, Bartimaeus would say that we need to see that Jesus was sent by God to meet our greatest need. Jesus was sent by God to meet our greatest need. Let's look at Bartimaeus's cry, and let's break it down. Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, the word Jesus, of course, means the Lord saves. Common name, I'm son of, da- son of David, sorry, I'm going to get their name. Jesus, common name, lots of people had that name. No one in Mark's Gospel up to this point refers to Jesus as Jesus. They don't address Him that way, except for the demons. They know who He is. But here's Bartimaeus who cries out, Jesus, Jesus, Son of David. It's a title for the Messiah. You see it in Isaiah 9, in Isaiah chapter 11, so many places throughout the prophets you have this Davidic king, first promised to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. There will always be an offspring on your throne. All the way throughout the prophets, there's this anticipation of a greater son of David who would be, as Isaiah says in Isaiah 9, mighty God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. This is the first time in Mark's gospel that anyone refers to Jesus as son of David. Nowhere else. Up to this point. Not even when Peter says, you are the Messiah, do we get this. Bartimaeus says, you are the son of David. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Not take charge, not kick out the Romans. Have mercy. 
cry for mercy is found out throughout the Psalms. Go back and read the Psalms and see all the ways in which the psalmists cry out to God for mercy. And this idea of a, of a son of David, a Davidic ruler, the ideal king showing mercy, comes together in places like Psalm 72, verse 12. For he, he being the ideal king, the son of David, delivers the needy when he calls, the poor in him who has no helper. And so Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus saw that Jesus came for people just like him. Jesus came to meet the needs of the destitute, of the lowly, of the helpless, of the blind. Do you realize that Jesus came to meet the needs of the spiritually destitute, the spiritually hopeless, the spiritually helpless, the spiritually blind? Those who have no resources in themselves to save themselves, Jesus came to save. Do you believe Jesus was sent by God to meet your greatest need? Bartimaeus would throw his cloak out on the ground. Lots of beggars did that. That was where they would collect alms, where they would collect money that people may put there. He spread his cloak out on the ground every day, day after day, hoping he would have enough put in it each day to buy the food that he needed to survive another day. Are you tired of spreading your cloak out, as it were, before the world, your emotional, your intellectual, your spiritual cloak out before the world, hoping something or someone will fill it? Are you tired of going home hungry at the end of the day? Bartimaeus would say, do you see that Jesus came to meet that need? Do you recognize that your desires, not just your needs, but the things that you desire, point you ultimately to Jesus? C.S. Lewis nailed this in Mere Christianity when he said, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Are you ready to admit that not only your need, but your desire is for something that this world cannot provide? There's nothing apart from Christ that will fill that cloak and satisfy your soul. Nothing. No one. Bartimaeus would say, you must see your need for mercy. Second, you must see that Jesus was sent by God to meet your greatest need, which is for mercy. And then Bartimaeus, I think, would ask, so do you now see what you need to do? You now see what you need to do. Bartimaeus knew exactly what he needed to do. Look, look at verse 50 with me. Verse 50, And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. He knew he needed to get to Jesus. I, I picture the scene, can't you? He's blind after all. There are people who are milling about. There are people who, coming, who are coming and, and going. He must be hearing that Jesus is approaching by the way people are talking. He throws off his cloak. By, by, that doesn't mean he was wearing it. He threw it off of his lap where people were putting their alms. He, he throws off his cloak. He's blind. Did people help him? The ones who were saying, take heart, go to him? Maybe they helped him. Maybe he just was feeling his way. Like he had to feel his way every day prior to that to get to where he wanted to go. 
He knew he needed to get to Jesus. Do you know that you need to get to Jesus? Bartimaeus needed to ask Jesus for something. He needed to express his faith in Jesus. Look at verse 51. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. That's part of it. Jesus knew what he needed. But Jesus said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus expressed his faith. He vocalized his trust that this Jesus is the one who will show me mercy. This Jesus is the one sent from God to show mercy to people just like me. And so, Rabbi, I want my sight restored. Help me to see. And then what did he do? Look at verse 52. I love verse 52. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Did you catch it? Jesus says to Bartimaeus, go your way. And Bartimaeus says, I'm going your way. I don't go go my way, I'm following you. Bartimaeus did the most clear-sighted thing a person could ever do. He fixed his fully functioning eyes on Jesus and followed him. Do you see what you need to do? Perhaps you're realizing this morning that you've been on the side of the road begging your entire life. Don't delay any longer. Maybe right now there's something stirring in your heart. Maybe with the ears of your heart and with the eyes of your heart, you're beginning to realize that there's this Jesus that is drawn near and stopped for you. Give voice to your newfound faith. Cry out to Jesus. Ask Him to do for you what you can't do for yourself, to save you. It's interesting that the same word that's used to describe the healing of Bartimaeus, of his sight being healed, is the Greek word sozo, which also means saved. It's a play on words there. Bartimaeus was saved. We know that because he got up and followed Jesus. He received in that moment his sight physically, but he also received what was already happening as he made his way, spiritual sight that he might follow Jesus. Body and soul restored. Bartimaeus would eventually die. But Bartimaeus will be raised. And not only his sight, but his entire body will be restored. Biblical salvation is whole-personed salvation. It's not our souls being saved and then we, what, float around on a cloud in heaven forever? It's about a renewed earth. It's about a renewed body. It's about full and total redemption because Jesus came to make His uh, name known far as the curse is found. That's not how the hymn goes. I'll figure it out later. He came to make His blessings known far as the curse is found. Joy to the world. That's why we need to sing Joy to the World year-round. It's not just a Christmas hymn. It's got so much truth in it. We can't forget it. Bartimaeus had his sight restored. 
He had his spiritual sight confirmed and restored. And one day, Bartimaeus will be raised complete, and so too will you, if you will look to Jesus and cry out to him for the mercy and the grace that you need. What will give you the confidence to do so? The fact that Jesus still stops. He still stops. His ears are always attentive to the cry of those who call out to Him. He still stops. He still invites people to come to Him. How does He do that? Okay, church, here's the challenge for us. Because we may have missed the challenge in this passage that really is for us. Are we willing to stop when Jesus says stop? Or are we just too busy? Or are we you know, just so burdened and so concerned for the salvation of the whole world that we won't stop for the one that Jesus brings across our path? When Jesus says stop, are we willing to stop? When Jesus says call him or her, are we willing to call? Or like the disciples, do we just want to look right by? Because we've got an agenda, Jesus. And Jesus says, get in line with my agenda. Those are the people I came to save. Now, if that's where you find yourself as a Christian, wrestling with that, convicted by that, what confidence can you have this morning that even now you can cry out to Jesus for forgiveness and receive His grace and, and walk in His way? Is the confidence of knowing that Jesus still stops. He still hears. Even the cry of those who follow Him when we confess our sin, He's not too busy for us. It's good news, my friends. Bartimaeus would say, you see your greatest need? Oh, Christian, brother and sister, do we still see that our greatest need is for ongoing mercy from Jesus? Bartimaeus would say, do you see this why Jesus came? <laughs> and do you know what you need to do? Cry out afresh. Oh God, pour out your grace upon me. It's limitless, you know. It's limitless because the limitless wrath of, Jesus, of God was poured out on Jesus so that God's limitless grace would be poured out on all who cry out to Him for mercy. Do you see your greatest need? Do you see Jesus was sent by God to meet your greatest need? And have you cried out to Him for your salvation? Don't let another day pass without doing so. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You once again for Your Word, for preserving it for us down to this very day. And oh God, we do ask that You would give us eyes to see. Lord, for some of us, that's a prayer that's being made for the first time. It's a, it's a cry that's coming from a place that has long been grasping for and crying out for satisfaction from this world that it cannot offer. And so God, would You help people instead to cry out to You? Lord, I pray that for all kinds of people, not just those who don't yet know You, for those, but for those who follow You, people like me. Oh Lord, would You help me to slow down and see the people that You are calling across, bringing across my path. 
Lord, let us be a church that is willing to slow down, to stop, to call, to serve, to bring people to You that their greatest need might be met out of gratitude for the way in which You have done that for us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.